So not too long ago, I held this workshop at WPPI where I gave my top 30 creative strategies to get photography clients as fast as possible without paid ads. And it killed it. It sold out. It was incredible. I've been sitting on it for a little while and I've decided to bring it back, to bring it back and to give it directly to you. You don't have to go anywhere. You don't have to pay anything either. I just want to help you grow your business each day for three days. I'm going to share with you 10 ultra unique creative ways to attract dream clients to your photography business without spending a bunch of money. I'm calling this thing the three day client blitz and it is pure gold for three days. I'm going to give you so many creative ideas to get clients in your business right now. Just go to sixfigurephotography.com forward slash blitz six S I X six figure your photography.com forward slash blitz b l i t z i can't wait to give you some incredible ideas you're listening to the six figure photography podcast where we teach you how to grow your photography business if you need the show notes or want to check out the latest blog post visit sixfigurephotography.com now here's your host ben hartley Welcome to episode 14 of the Six Figure Photography Podcast. My name is Ben Hartley, and today I am, my gosh, I am incredibly excited to be able to announce that we have with us Zach Gray of Zach and Jody. He is one of the best lighting experts in the industry, and today we're going to be talking about just that, off-camera lighting. Zach and Jody have been named one of Nashville's top wedding photographers, one of Westcott's top endorsed pros. They're a member of the exclusive SanDisk Extreme team. They've been published uh, in People Magazine, Rangefinder, Southern Weddings. Um, but beyond that, they've personally instructed over 1,200 photographers through their in-camera workshops, spoken internationally, nationally, WPPI, Creative Live, PhotoVision, MyWed Conference. The list goes on and on. Zach and Jody uh, are two of, of the best, and we are just so honored to have them here. And uh, without further ado, we're going to jump in and get a chance to talk to Zach a little bit more about uh, off-camera flash. Hey, Zach. How's it going, man? It's going awesome, dude. I'm really excited to be on the show with you. Yeah, very good. So where are you at, by the way? I love this brick. <laughs> I am at the most hipster coffee shop in Franklin, Tennessee. I live in Franklin, just south of Nashville. And there's a Starbucks literally down the street. And uh, Nashville is so into um, the eclectic what's cool thing that this place like has almost put Starbucks out of business, which is rare. <laughs> So that's awesome. My one trip to Nashville, I swear I've had the best vanilla latte of my <laughs> life there. And every, I kid you not, dude, every single time I go to a new coffee shop, I'm always comparing my latte to the one that I had in Nashville. Well, you need to come over to my house because, in my opinion, I make some of the best coffee at my house. I literally have this insane espresso bar built in with the inverted sink and the refrigerator underneath. and. I'm, I'm a little too much into it. When I get into stuff, I get into it. That's it's, awesome. That's it's pretty awesome. fun. I've yeah. been trying to like figure out what is that thing in my life that I'm going to like get into and like when guests come over that I like treat them with. Yeah. And so far, it's scotch. 
which doesn't really work because not very many people (laughs) enjoy drinking scotch. And good scotch is expensive. Yes, it is. (laughs) It is. Well, anyhow, man, we're going to talk about lighting because, uh, I mean, you're one of the masters. You're one of the experts at it. Uh, Even growing into my career, you know, I've looked to you and Jody to, to, to learn really about about lighting about off-camera lighting and how to apply it into our work and i feel like this is a really important topic because um i guess it's something that i think that that has a lot to do with what what you can charge and even just your like your confidence and what you feel like you're worth charging and we'll get into all that kind of stuff but yeah i guess before we start with that can you give me a little bit of an idea of how you how you got started into uh, messing around with off-camera lighting to the point where you are today, where you know you're one of the best? Yeah, well, well, I appreciate that. Thank you. Um, of course, I always think that there's so much room to improve. So, you know, as a typical photographer, I look at everything I do and I think, man, imagine if I would have just done that, or if I could have just done this, you know. But I think that really intense drive is what makes people really good at something, is that, that desire to make it better and better and better. Uh, but sort of my story with that was I came from, um, I was a professional musician actually, working in Nashville for about three years, touring around. That's where I got my, that's why I came to Nashville, and that's why I lived here. And when Jody and I got into photography, I sort of had that album cover band sort of mentality in my head and that's what I really gravitated towards but we wanted to shoot weddings because we thought there was good money in shooting weddings which is one and we were newly married so it just seemed to make sense for us to get into that and we knew a lot of newly married or nearly wed people so when I started shooting like I was thinking that direction so I was like well who are the best off-camera lighting photographers because I was just super interested in it and my wife at the time worked for a record label she worked for Provident so um, I said, hey, babe, why don't you ask the A&R director or the artist relations director to have me shoot all the album covers to get started? And he looked at my portfolio, which was basically some pictures of Jody in her wedding dress and a kid in my our apartment complex at the time playing tennis. It's terrible. <laughs> and uh, he said, oh, that's really cool. Why don't you go you know, do some assistant work with some of these top photographers and I can connect you. Mm-hmm. One of those photographers was a guy named Jeremy Cowart. Well, a lot of a lot of people know if you're into you know photography because he's one of the most influential photographers now in the world. And I went out with him and just started learning like what he was doing for lighting. But the problem was, I remember being on a photo shoot and spending 40 minutes on one lighting setup. And I thought, I love what he's doing, but how can I figure out how to do that in one minute or 40 seconds? So that's when Jody and I started developing a system, a systematic approach to off-camera lighting that would allow us to replicate and do really cool lighting but in a really short amount of time yeah i think that's one of the big reasons that people shy away from it especially in the wedding industry it's like you know it's hard enough to get like 20 minutes of time (laughs) for like the entirety of the whole thing let alone like 40 minutes for like one shot exactly Um, my gosh okay so i want to start from the beginning here why do you feel like it's not enough to be a natural light photographer i mean i personally feel that way i want to know from you though (laughs) why do you feel like it's not enough uh, well, it depends on what you're shooting. I mean, natural light is amazing and it has uh, its place, but the unfortunate thing with natural lighting is incredible natural lighting is few and far between. And when I'm shooting, I want 
everything to look as incredible as possible. When I'm shooting candid moments, I want those to look natural, and sometimes there's little control you can have over them. But if I'm shooting portraits, or if I'm shooting uh, a reception, or if I'm shooting... Uh, you know, a, a wedding that the timeline of the day just happened to work out where it's high noon and we're photographing the bride and groom's portraits, so which is unfortunate, but it happens. My job is to get incredible photographs. So natural lighting is great, but it doesn't exist as a reality for most of your shooting. So enhancing available light or creating your own light, I think, is an absolute necessity, especially if you're a wedding photographer. You, you, you cannot, there's some venues you just absolutely cannot photograph without artificial light. Yeah. Um, and the key there is making that artificial light look the way that you want it to look. So I'm not a fan of just shooting flash photography and having it look flashy. Mm -hmm. I'm a fan of having it look the way you want it to look. It can look organic, it can look natural, it can look stylistic, it can look flashy, or it can look any way that you want it to look. And I think that's, it's critical to use, especially with digital photography, because digital photography doesn't have a lot of room for error, unfortunately. So the more that we can add to what's already going on, the better our photographs are going to look and the more professional we're going to, we're going to appear to our clients. Yeah, so you, we've already spoken about one thing then that like, or one reason why people maybe shy away from uh, Flash and that's just time. And I think you just touched on another one being that it like, I think people are afraid that their stuff is just going to look like fake and like flashy like is what you yeah. said, you know? Yeah. Um, so what are there other reasons why you think uh, photographers shy away from like using off-camera flash? And, and maybe even we'll focus on uh, on a wedding day because that's probably like the worst, like hardest <laughs> scenario that we can think of. So yeah. let, let's maybe think about it in those terms. Uh, I would say, you know, probably the two big reasons is one is how much equipment and how cumbersome is it going to be if I, if I need to use it? So I'd say that's one reason is it getting in the way of my, my, my flow, you know, my style. How's it going to feel to use this? I think the other one is the complexity. So it's that perception that off-camera lighting, I've got ratios and direction of light and types of light and modifiers and all these things. And is it going to be too complicated? And when I'm in that moment, when I'm, I've got to get this shot and I've got three minutes to, I remember Jody and I were photographing a wedding in uh, northern Florida on the coast. Uh, and as happens at every single wedding, the day is running 30, 40 minutes behind. We were planning to shoot the bride and groom on the beach at sunset. And it was a 10-minute drive to get there, 10-minute drive to get back. By the time we finally got there, we had 12 minutes to photograph the bride and groom at this beautiful sunset, but it was literally in that moment where it was about to be gone. Yeah. We had literally about five minutes to get some great natural light shots, and then the natural light was gone. Mm -hmm. So then we, ha we had to get out our flash. And we got out our flash, and we took some incredible shots with what was left of that sunset. And if we hadn't had the ability to do that, we'd have been in trouble. Um, so I think that that speed, the complexity, like the, the worry about is this going to work when I need it to work, I think those are some of the big reasons that people shy away from it. Yeah, I mean like reliability. It's like one more thing to like troubleshoot and to go wrong and you get into yeah. TTL and these other things and it's not doing what you think it should do and you know, all that <laughs> other stuff. So, And yeah. you, know, you bring up a great point. I just shot a wedding here two days ago. Uh, here in Ohio, it's, you know, it's winter, sun setting at like 5 o'clock. <laughs> Two in the afternoon. <laughs> the ceremony was at 4.30. Yeah, <laughs> so like, what does the natural light photographer do when the ceremony's at 4.30, sunsets at 5, 
and uh, and your creative session is like six to seven, and you can't. I mean, you're stuck with like lamps uh, unless you know what you're yeah. doing. So, yeah, and you got it. That's a really tough situation too, because I think that's that's even harder because now you're looking for these tiny little, uh, you know, ambient light sources like a light bulb here and a lamp there and a little bit of light coming through something over here, and then hoping that the light can look good on them, and then hoping that. The, the context of the, the image is good. You know, it's, it gets really hard. But with Flash, I can go anywhere and go, I love that backdrop or I love this setup or I love this place and I can make the light. I can make it. You know, I yeah. can make that shot happen at any time. Yeah, absolutely. The other nightmare that I just like pictured when you were describing all these different light sources is like just this, the like, okay, this one's like slightly green and this one's warm and this one's <laughs> kind of flickering, sometimes blue, sometimes like... Black pink. and white photo. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Anyhow, I'm totally with you. All right, yeah. so you've brought up time being a major issue and you've brought up the fact that you and Jody have, have developed systems, right? Yeah. Uh, to, to really eliminate the worry of that. And so let's say that we're moving from um, from a creative session to set up a reception or something along those lines, and your time is is just at a bare minimum. You know, what are some things that you do? Maybe some tips that you have for yeah. setting up off-camera flash when you're on a time crunch. I think tip number one would be know what's going to happen before you get there. Hmm. So Jody and I send out a 54-question questionnaire. Um, four months before the wedding, which the bride uh, sometimes updates, you know, a month out when she's got all the details sort of finessed. But one of the questions that we ask is, are you walking from whatever was happening previous to the reception straight into the reception? And when you walk in, what are you doing? Mm -hmm. Are you walking into dinner? Are you walking into dances? Are you walking into toasts? What are you walking into? Mm -hmm. So once we know that, then I can get a gauge if I have either zero minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, or an hour. I've got one of those scenarios. So we know ahead of time because we have our timeline in front of us. So before we even start the day, I've got all my reception lighting accessories set up and ready to go so I can walk in the room, set them down, do a quick test shot, and I'm ready to shoot. Even if, if it's one of those scenarios where it's like they're walking right in and starting first dances or something, mm -hmm. we'll say, hey, we're going to go in ahead of you give us five minutes ahead of you just so we're everyone's ready and it, it, the show is all about you guys as you walk in and they love that yeah. so we'll walk in everything's already set up we take a test shot really quick we're ready they walk in and boom we start creating magic right right when right when the door is open yeah that's fantastic this questionnaire that you're talking about i'm already inside of our, our <laughs> listeners minds i know yeah. everyone out there who's listening to the podcast right now is like damn i want that i want that questionnaire is, is this anything <laughs> i know that you and jody offer a lot of uh, a lot of educational tools is this, is this something that you guys offer it is it is definitely something that we offer it's on our store um and it's something that uh we have when we do something unique like this we have no problem giving it away to the entire audience so everybody that comes to listen can get it and then later on I know we talked about something that Jody and I are working on and this actually is a piece of that puzzle too so we could talk about that later if you Very want cool. to, to awesome. basically to do this all automated in a really really powerful way so yeah it's incredible okay cool so um, back to reception lighting. Back to reception lighting. So we're going to start to talk about maybe some really specific examples. And this may be a little tricky because, you know, we, we don't have like a room in front of us. We don't have diagrams and lighting and like, you know, a list of F-stops and shenanigans. So we'll yep. do our best. Uh, there's a lot of grace here, Zach. 
Sure. But um, one of the questions that I'm I'm often asked, I know that a lot of photographers are, are asking, you know, is they're getting started in the off-camera flash and they're bouncing. You know, maybe they even have a backlight set up, but they've got their flash speed light mounted on their camera. Maybe it's 45 degrees or whatever degree they think is best, and they're bouncing it off a wall to hit their subject, right? To fill yeah. in the light on the subject. Well, Zach... Uh, <laughs> Let's say that you don't have a wall. Let's say that you're outside, right? Worst case scenario, uh, we did a wedding a few years ago or whatever. Nighttime reception, of course. That's when the receptions usually are. But there's yeah. like, you know, it's like in the woods, you know? So outside. Um, or, or a more common situation maybe is, uh, you know, being a Midwest photographer, our brides love, love these barns, you know? Yeah. And so you're in a barn and everything is dark wood and vaulted ceilings. What really easy to bounce off of that, you know, absorbing wood. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So what do you do in the situation? What do you recommend, uh, you know, our audience do? Well, I think it's key to have a few tools, and I like to think of lighting kind of like, you would think of uh, you know, a drummer learning how to play the drums or a guitar player learning how to play guitar. You start with something that uh, is sort of your, I call it going to the well, the thing you know you can always do to get the shot, yeah. and then you build on that repertoire. You, know, you just start with one thing you're great at, then you can add to it. So one thing that's really important is to be able to walk into any lighting scenario. So say it's a reception and you walk in and to be able to evaluate the room really fast. If you see that the ceilings are close enough, the color works, I can bounce, bounce, because bouncing is easy. You know, bouncing is the easiest thing to do. I got a flash on my camera, I can swivel it around and I can get really great looking shots and balance that with the ambient light in the room. Mm -hmm. If I walk into a barn or here in Nashville, we have a lot of, uh, reception venues that are one barns like you were talking about because they're old plantations or we have like the national symphony center or the performing arts center or the 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 big library and they have these literally 80 foot ceilings and the rooms are 120 feet wide and it's just too far to bounce the light like the light doesn't come back with enough oomph yeah so to be able to walk into one of those situations and determine can i bounce do i need off-camera light or another option, uh, another scenario that can solve this problem for me. So once you determine that and you need off-camera light, then you can move to the next step. Which... And what was the, que- what was the question? <laughs> <laughs> the question was, what, to, what do you do? <laughs> like, yeah, they're, that's a, so we've evaluated it, right? We step in, we've evaluated it. And we're and we're screwed, right? <laughs> so, because so, we can't bounce. Because again, that's a. I'm just inside our, our like the six figure audience mind, and I think a lot of us, our tools are natural, and and the tools are are bouncing, you know. Yep. Um, and so, uh, yeah. Do, what what then would you do? So what I would do the easiest the easiest place to start is with one simple off camera light that produces. A, a nice quality light, but it's not oversized. So mm-hmm. what I do is I always have, I use a, a to start from the ground up. So I use a, a cheetah stand, a nine yeah. or 10 foot cheetah stand, which is a great reception lighting stand yeah. because they're, they're not fun to use if you're out on location and trying to put it down in the grass because they get stuck. But basically a cheetah stand is a stand that it sets down, when you set it down, it automatically opens. When you pick it up, it automatically closes and turns into basically like a monopod. It's really great because you can move it around with one arm and not bump it into anyone at a reception. So what I do is I'll, starting with the cheetah stand, then on top of that, I've got 
a rapid box from Westcott. So what I love about the rapid box is it comes with the mounting bracket to mount on top of the stand. It comes with a mount built in that you can put a speed light onto. And then it's either a 20 inch or a 26 inch uh, Octabank. And it's a tiny little light that's not very big, but it puts out very high quality light. When I say high quality, I mean when the light comes out of the front, it comes out very evenly. So it looks really, really nice on your subject. It's got a little tilter bracket. That little setup costs you maybe 200, 250 bucks total. And then all you need to make that work is some sort of trigger. If you're using, say, Canon 600 flashes, you have triggers built in. So there's a radio transmitter built in. You can control that off-camera light from your other flash or from a STE3 transmitter. What I use is, because we shoot all on manual always, because I want every shot to be consistent, is I just use the CyberSync transmitter and the CyberSync receiver, the battery-powered versions, because they cost 60 bucks. They're really, really cheap, and they're really small. So I put one receiver on the flash and one transmitter on my camera, and now I just need to turn that flash up or down until I get the right amount of output of light to balance it with the ambient light. And I always do a three-to-one lighting ratio. So whatever the ambient light is, I make sure my flash is twice as bright as that. And what I do is I try to keep that light, what I say is four to five large paces away from my subject. Mm. So the reason that I do that is because when you're, this is getting a little more to the complicated side, but uh, there's this thing called the inverse square law, right? Which means when a light travels to one distance and then travels double that distance. So say it's one foot away from you. If you measure the, the brightness of that light, it's X. If you move twice as far away or two feet away, it's four times less light or four times darker, right? That's too complicated to remember all that crap, right? So I say a lot simpler, uh, I say it this way, light in close gets dark quick, right? So all I do is I try to take four or five really large paces away from whatever I'm gonna be photographing the most. So say the center of the dance floor where the dances and the toasts and all that are happening. Four to five big paces away and I put my light that far away because by the time it reaches my subject, it will be much more even across all the people that I'm photographing instead of getting, hitting someone and then falling off or getting dark really quickly. So I keep it a bit further away than you plan to keep it away, set the light up for the power output that I need, and we can talk about how to do that next. And then I can basically, as long as I keep it about that same distance, I keep it about 30 degrees to my right or 30 degrees to my left and I can just move all around the dance floor and fire away or I can just leave it planted and I can move around my light. And now I can do all kinds of creative, beautiful shooting and fire away for most of the night because most of the stuff's gonna happen on the middle of that dance floor and I'm ready to rock. And another quick tip, I tend to keep the band or DJ to my back because people wanna see the guests. If I, I'll take a few shots of the band and DJ but most of the time they wanna see the couple and their friends and their guests. Yeah, that's awesome. I love that we're uh, we're already like knee deep in the inverse square law. <laughs> like, I know, I know. <laughs> like, like oh. people are driving home from work right now, like listening, and they're like, "Okay, so what did Zach say about the inverse square law?" <laughs> uh, four times less light. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> we may have to do a uh, a follow up uh, a blog post about this, guys, just so we can kind of maybe write this out, have it in I've writing got, for you all. I've got a graphic you can put on the blog post. That explains <laughs> Very it good. Really, really well. That's awesome. Okay, so Zach, one of the things that um, that I I've seen a lot of people do um, that people maybe even propose to me is like, hey, well, that sounds great, Ben, but, or that sounds great, Zach, uh, <laughs> you know, for, for you guys. But I've got this handy dandy little thing on my flash that I just pull up. It's this, you know, that little white card. Little bounce it, card. 
Yeah, a little bounce card, right? Everybody has them on their flashes. You just pull it on up, and that, that gets the job done. And, oh, Zach, I've actually... I've seen you try to rip one of those out. It was some like it was like one of your first videos a long time ago. I saw you try to rip one of those out, and you couldn't. It was really funny. But anyhow, do you do you still do you still think that they're rubbish? Uh, have you found a, a use for them? Is there anything that we should actually be thinking about those bounce cards for? Yeah, I mean, there's all kinds of little accessories you can stick right on the top of your flash. I won't name any names, but you know, there's the Stofan diffusers and there's the, you know, the, the Tupperware piece that you can put on top of your camera, on top of your flash. And those don't necessarily, they can get a job done in the sense of I can take a clear picture that has light on it. But it's not going to help me take a professional photo. It's not going to help me take a photo where the light is coming in from a technically correct angle. So if you think about it, like, go back to the masters, you know, re look through some of the Vanity Fair's 50 years of iconic portraits, and you don't see any photographers putting a flash on top of their camera and shooting it at a subject. We call that paparazzi photography. Some people, like, it's a cool vibe, like, if you're trying to do it on purpose, but technically it's not correct. It's not even uh, what would be called a ring light, which a ring light goes around the lens and it creates shadowless lighting. Mm -hmm. It's just a teeny bit above the, the frame, and it creates a very flat, uh, un- uh, dynamic and very unattractive lighting and a really scary catch light in the eye because the, the catch light is directly on the pupil, which is not the correct place for it to be. And it makes people not look very flattering. And you're being hired to give, you, give people the best version of themselves, to showcase the best possible way to look at them during this really important whatever it is that you're photographing. So if you go back and look at you know lighting styles as an example, uh, Rembrandt lighting, 45, which is 45 degree lighting, loop lighting, glamour lighting, none of those are slightly above the camera shooting a flash right in somebody's face. So it can get the job done, like you said. It can get the job done. But it's, I think we can do better than that. You know, I want to do better than that. I want to produce the best possible thing I can produce for my clients, and I think it's not that hard to get it better. Yeah, amen. And that's the thing that, like, I mean, that's what separates you. I mean, there's how many photographers in your city, in your town. I don't care how little your town is. You probably have 100 photographers there, you know, yeah. and there's more coming up every week. And, man, like, preach it. Like, you have to separate yourself. And if you can't hustle enough to to not use that little bounce card, then, yeah. I, you know, like, I would challenge you and, like, a, is your business going to make it? You know, there's these decisions that we have to be making um yeah. it was actually really to talk about my wedding here that i did two days ago in like pitch black to make it a little bit more challenging for me the the bride actually requested those paparazzi-esque pictures she's like this oh, is fun. what i want <laughs> and i've never had that zach i've never had that sweet. it was the well it's kind of sweet but it was the hardest thing to photograph because i'm like yeah. i had to just like turn off parts of my brain that was like this is terrible this is terrible uh and just i just had to like grit my teeth and keep shooting like that um That's funny and it felt embarrassing too i was like there's people here like watching me photograph this and i'm just like <laughs> flash right in their eyes the whole time yeah. oh it hurt. it hurt so bad okay so uh it's just figure photography we're always trying to figure out like uh actually in a lot of ways less about the creative and more about the business side of things how to create sustainable profitable businesses uh for ourselves and our families and one of the things that i, I want to talk about is how how understanding off-camera flash can affect your price point can affect what you can charge 
And so I guess I want to hear from you um, about how you feel like uh, this is uh, this has opened up doors for you as far as pricing goes, how it's opened up doors for other people that you've helped to mentor and coach. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I would say that um, in my experience and from, um, you know, what I've learned about, you know, even the, the – the U.S. and worldwide economy and how it's it's worked over the last hundred years of uh, you know brand building and businesses is that um, I don't necessarily believe that the quality of your work will the quality of your work will allow you to charge more, but I do believe that if you don't have quality work, you cannot charge more. And you're going to have a very hard time charge. So that seems almost like a catch. Like, yeah, say that talking? one more time for me. That doesn't seem to make any sense. So what I mean is, is this. There's a really great book uh, by a guy named Tim, Tim Sanders uh, who wrote in 2007 called Love is the Killer App. And in that book, he talks about the shift of the mindset of the consumer over the last like 75 years. So he says after World War II, um, when we came out of uh, the Great Recession, uh, People, uh, you know, everything was starting to be built in America. If it didn't have a made in America stamp, it didn't have quality. And people wanted that quality. If it was made in Japan, it was garbage. You know, people didn't like it. So it had to, it, people, people wanted to pay good money for quality built stuff. But after 20 to 25 years of, of consumers demanding something, they start to expect it, right? So once they got through that 50s and 60s, early 70s, then they moved into a new type of economy, which what Tim Sanders calls the service-based economy. So from the quality economy to the service economy. So now they expect, they said, okay, you better give me something of quality because I expect that, but what else do you have? So then people started offering great service. So that was the days when the mom and pop shops were the place to be and you'd walk in and they would really handhold you through the buying experience. Then after 20 to 25 years of that, which puts us into the 90s and 2000s, right, we're close to another shift, is people said, okay, I expect great quality. I expect you to service me really, really great, great service. Do what you say you're going to do. Now what else do you have? And he, we moved into what he calls the experience-based economy. Now I want to feel good. I want to have an emotional connection to these products and services. So when I say, said earlier... I don't think having great quality photos is going to allow you to charge more, but if you don't have good quality photos, you won't be able to charge more. What I meant by that was people expect great quality, especially if you're charging a premium. They expect it. If you're not doing it, you shouldn't even be in the business, right? Or if you're not going after it, you should also be delivering a great service and you should be giving people what they really want to pay the most money for, which is a dynamic experience and an emotional connection to that product. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> I like Dang. <laughs> that was awesome. Again, just like drop the mic, you know? Um, <laughs> well, that's all Tim Sanders. I stole it all from him. So. Yeah, we'll make sure that we uh, that we link back to that. Um, that's fantastic. So um, may I ask you, for example, I got a chance to talk with Luke and Kat, and yeah. one of the unique things that they do uh, with their business is to reinvest 10% back into into their clients. So there are things that you and Jody are doing that, that – unique things that, that maybe you felt like have um, uh, aided in your growth, aided in the experience that you're offering your brides. Um, yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, to speak to that uh, mentality of Luke and Kat and of uh, reinvesting back in your clients, it's much easier to keep a client than it is to get a new client. Mm -hmm. So what that means is if you're really spending some of your quote unquote marketing dollars on uh, wowing your clients and making your current existing clients feel good even if it's a wedding client which typically we don't uh, have repeat clients with wedding clients right <laughs> but 
keeping those clients in love with us and, and realizing how much value we have allows them to become what Jody calls walking, talking billboards for us, and they become the marketing machine for our business and usually the number one referral source. So Luke and Kat are very wise to reinvest a percentage of that money. Jody and I did the exact same thing uh, when we were shooting weddings full-time, which is we always took a percentage of all of our uh, you know, what they were paying us for the wedding, and we reinvested that back into them. Uh, from things like um, buying them uh, books that we had read when we were engaged and highlighting parts of that and saying, here, we believe this is going to enhance your marriage. Everything we did was always very personal-based and not photography-based, so we wouldn't buy them a canvas Mm -hmm. and give it to them. We would instead buy them something that was going to enhance their life or their marriage. Starbucks gift cards with notes that said, hey, you know, two weeks before the wedding, we would send them a Starbucks gift card that said, Hey, we know wedding planning can be crazy, but don't forget this is about the two of you. Go out, have a coffee on us, no wedding talk allowed. It seems like a really simple thing and it costs us $10, but it was huge on the impact it had because they were in that mindset of the wedding, the wedding, the wedding, and they were forgetting about the marriage, the marriage, the marriage. And all of a sudden, Zach and Jody got them back on point on focus with their relationship and that was powerful. We did it because we cared about them, but it also paid huge dividends as far as them, you know, talking about us and helping marketing our brand. It's awesome. It's awesome. I love how like every podcast I do, you know, in, if, take example of this one. We're we're talking about like really technical like lighting stuff, and then suddenly like <laughs> I just look back and now I'm like, oh man, we're back to client experience again. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's absolutely. Like, it, it just like always comes back around. <laughs> oh man. Um, I, we have just a couple more questions here um, just to talk about again just things specifically about lighting uh, because it's something that we just don't really get into very often Um, but there's a lot of options with light and and there's a lot of like these you know smaller speed lights and then these really big you know something like a pro photo Uh, I haul around with me a pro photo D1000 quite often on a wedding day just for that big light Um, what are some of your thoughts on these things I mean like how much light do you really need at what point is it just too big and cumbersome uh, for you on a wedding day yeah I think one of the great things is technology is getting way better with this stuff Um, when we first started I kid you not. I mean, I have an assistant that became a really uh, talented, successful photographer uh, a, a little bit after he worked, worked with us. And when I first started shooting 2007, we had like 19 weddings booked, and I had a huge studio light uh, that was like a big, like you're saying, a big 1,000 watt old school analog light. And I had no, there was no way to power that light back then, uh, that type of light. So I literally bought a generator with a hundred <laughs> with a one hundred foot extension cord, and I remember we we're shooting at the Parthenon in Nashville, and I have my assistant running a hundred feet away because the generator kept dying, and he's over there, <laughs> you know, it was crazy, dude. But we got great shots. You got great shots, man. I thought I was bad. Yeah, it was crazy, but so all that to say is that's insane. Never, <laughs> never, never, ever, ever do that. Um, but technology has really advanced. There's so many portable, high-powered lights that are available. Profoto now has the B1, which is a 500-watt second, all-enclosed, one light that can do everything. It can shoot ETTL. It can shoot at 8 thousandths of a second. It can shoot. It can darken the sky. It's got so much power. It's really, really powerful. Uh, Paul C. Buff, who's a company here in Nashville that we use, they have uh, what's called uh, Vagabond Mini. So it's a little teeny three-pound power pack that can power pretty much any light that you're, that's designed to be plugged in, in the studio. Ellen Chrome makes the uh, 
Ellen Chrome Ranger Quadra, which is a 420 watt second. Uh, it's a tiny little five pound uh, light with a power pack. And then of course we have a lot of speed lights. So I would say one, realize the technology has gotten better and you can use a lot more powerful lights that are a lot less cumbersome and a lot easier to use and very lightweight. Two, use what you need to shoot in your style. So if all you need is a little bit of fill light to just fill in some shadows, then speed lights are probably just what you need. You don't need anything more than that, yeah. uh, depending on when you need them. For me, I love style. I love darkening the sky. I love creating hyper-real photographs. So I need more power. I need five to 600 watt seconds of power on a, any given light in order to create that through the modifiers I prefer to use. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, yeah. so what what are Zach Gray's like... Uh, you know, list of like top list of of light light modifiers of lighting equipment. Maybe let me even rewind. Let's just say the essential lighting gear. Not even like because I'm sure your list is like expansive, <laughs> and you're like, well, what do you want me to do? Let's just yeah. say like the bare essentials, like minimal essential pieces of gear that if you had to like throw stuff in a backpack, go out on a shoot, and make something look awesome, what would it be? Yeah. So I would say um, I'd want. Two lights with me for sure. Well, depends on what I'm shooting. Yeah. If I'm shooting a wedding, let's say, let's say you're photographing. Let's say you're photographing me. Okay. Let's okay. Say. Portrait shoot. <laughs> yeah. Portrait shoot. Um, I'm probably going to have at least two types of light. One is going to be a really lightweight indoor or low lighting light, so a speed light. A speed light on a cheetah stand with a 26 inch rapid box, because I can do a ton of stuff with that little teeny light. It only has so much power. 80 to 90 watt seconds of power, which means I can't overpower the sun with it, but I can do a lot in the shade and I can do a lot indoors with it or with window light, that kind of stuff. It's a really versatile, beautiful, beautiful looking light. Um, so I would have that, uh, which is a few hundred bucks for that whole setup, uh, excluding the speed light, of course, which I, I'm assuming most people already have one of those. And then the other one would be at least one high powered strobe of some kind that's in the four to 600 watt second range. So either the Ellen Chrome Ranger Quadra, which is a really great, versatile, lightweight light that literally the, the light itself weighs less than a speed light, but it can you can put a seven foot octobank on it, or the the um, the Profoto B1, uh, just because it's so easy to use. You literally stick it on a stand, put a modifier on the front, and it's ready to shoot because everything else the battery's built in, the receiver's built in, really really incredible. And then for a modifier for me. The speed light would be that small 26-inch rapid box. And then for my big lights, I've almost exclusively switched to Octobanks because the light output is phenomenal. And I'm using uh, Westcott's Rapid Box Extra Large and Extra Extra Large. So they're basically giant versions of the little rapid box for speed lights. And I'm telling you, there's something about the way they design those things. The light is ridiculous. It looks amazing. And they're basically umbrella style, so it's a big Octobank. But you, it comes with the mounting uh, speed ring so you, for your light. So you just pop it on your light and you literally push the center in and it pops open and it's ready to shoot. Yeah. It's that. It's super fast. So it's easy to use on location, easy to set up, easy to take down. Um, that's what I would have. Awesome, awesome. I like how they have uh, an extra large and then an extra, extra large. Yes. <laughs> like I'm waiting for the extra, extra, extra large. <laughs> really, really large. <laughs> the really, really big one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, and don't forget, uh, you got to have a light meter. 
Okay, yeah, yeah. So actually, let's let's talk about this for a minute. Let's talk about this whole like light meter thing, okay? Uh, I'm sure you get this all the time, man. Sure. Like, sure. like really, Zach? A light meter? That's what I want to say. Um, yeah. Like, again, we're in the digital age. So why is a light meter important to you? Uh, a light meter is important because um, you know, as great as technology is, it's not as it's not as smart as we think it is. It's getting a lot smarter. Um, but I want to be in control. Uh, I think that's a big thing. When you're photographing, the last thing I want to do is let the camera start thinking and becoming the artist, right? I want to be the artist. I want to be the creative. I want to be the one that knows exactly how and why I got it. And I want to do it as fast as possible. I want to have no guesswork. And a light meter, it seems like because you have this extra accessory, and, I, and I, you know, I've, t- I've personally taught over 1,200 photographers how to do off-camera flash with a light meter. 1,200 over the last five or six years. That's at our personal workshops that are either at my house or somewhere that we go to. Um, And a lot of them are always like, you sure I really need that light meter? And then when they do the setup with the light meter being used and they realize they got exactly what they thought they were going to get every single time, and I literally will set it up, won't even take a test shot, and I'll be tethered to a huge screen and go click, and a photo comes up on the screen and it looks like, we did all this work to it in post-production, they're sold. They believe in the power of the light meter. So the reason that I think it's, it's so important is because your camera has what's called a reflective light meter. So it, it, it can read light, but only light bouncing off of something else. Flash is light, right? A- ambient light is, is light. So as you know, when light bounces off of black, it comes back darker. When it bounces off of white, it comes back brighter. The camera's reflective light meter is designed to read 18% gray, so right down the middle. So if if it sees pitch black, it'll tell you on the in-camera meter, hey, this is too dark, shoot brighter, but it's wrong. If it sees pure white, it'll say, this is too bright, shoot darker. And then you get underexposed photographs, and it's wrong. So they're getting better and better and better, but they're not hyper-accurate yet. The light meter is what's called an incident light meter, so it reads actual light. So it doesn't matter where the light's coming from. It's reading actual light, so it knows exactly how bright it is every single time. So when I use a light meter, it speeds up the process because I have correct readings. The other thing it does, which a lot of people don't realize, if you have the right light meter, so I use the Siconic L358 or 478, which are uh, you know a couple hundred dollar meters, those meters actually do something that a lot of people don't realize, which is when you read a flash with them, it reads the ambient and flash at the same time, and it tells you the difference between the two on the meter. So it gives you the ratio. So you can decide how you want the shot to look just by reading that uh, ratio that it gives you, the percentage on the meter. That alone speeds up the process. Because if I, in my head, go, I want a dramatic shot, five to one lighting, where the background is three stops darker than the key light. I can put my meter on 80%. Powered up or down till the meter reads 80%, take a shot at those settings, and I get it every single time. Boom! And you're like, whoa! And it takes takes about 30 to 40 seconds. Yeah, that's wild. I mean, like, it's, it's that, that, should, that should get some people inspired out there right now. I mean, just to be able to, like, just, like, just saying what you said right there, like, to be able to actually, like, go out and do that, you guys, is just yeah. an incredible feeling. And it's one of those things, too, man, that, like, it when you do that it builds so much confidence in you. You know what yeah. I mean? Like you don't like, you're not fumbling around in front of the client and it's not even necessarily something that it's all about like what the client perceives. It's about like our own like self perception, you know, like yeah. uh, how we see ourselves, how we value ourselves. And then again, getting back to what we feel like, you know, we're worth, you know, like our, totally. 
am I worth it? Is my art really worth it? When you can do that stuff, man, like your confidence just goes through the roof. And confidence is huge in everything, in business, in photography, in life. Like if you believe in your mind that you can, the chances of you doing are really, really high. Um, if you've ever read the book uh, Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, he talks about the power of just saying out loud what you want, futuristic you know, language. So he has, says you go to bed and you wake up every, every night with your three or four big goals for your life on it. And all of a sudden, you start, when you start to say it, you start to believe it, and then you start to do it. And the mind is very, very powerful. And if you start accomplishing something and seeing it working, you believe you can do more, and pretty soon you start doing more, and you can do anything. Um, so yeah, I'm a firm believer in changing the way that you think, and your actions will, will very quickly follow that. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. All right, yeah. so... Uh, this is my favorite part of every single episode, action steps, okay? Yes. Someone, they're driving, and they get to the office, they get home. What the heck do they do now? Like, what's one thing that you would recommend our audience doing once they have a free moment? Maybe even about about lighting, about, like, considering, uh, considering how they're going to be photographing weddings uh, come 2016. What's one action step for them? I would say develop a system. Because... What's great about systems, systems are not creative and systems are not going to move us into the future, but what systems do is they create a foundation. I think of a system in the same way I would think about laying a foundation for a home. If you have a powerful foundation, you can build a lot of crazy stuff on top of it that works, right? And it's not going to fall down as easy. But if you don't have a great foundation, if you build something on the sand, it's going to fall down, right? So I'm a big firm believer in systems. So if you build a one, two, three, four, say a five-step lighting system, right? And of course, I've spent the last 10 years developing our lighting system. And you follow that system, you know you're going to get the desired result every time. And once you have that baseline, you can be incredibly creative around that process. You know what your limitations are, you know what you can do. So Jody and I, like I said before, you know, I was out with Jeremy Coward seeing what he did, and it was a lot of just like fiddling. Mm-hmm. Put the light here, put it there, turn it up, turn it down, and all of a sudden something magical happened. Well, I said, I want to know that magic's happening from the beginning. Yeah. So we developed a ground-up system. Step one, figure out the lighting style that's going to look the best for our client. Step two, decide what lighting ratio I want for my client. Step three, use the light meter to get desired ratio. Step four, put the light at the right height so the shadows fall underneath the nose in the correct pattern. Step five, transfer those readings into my camera step six take awesome photos (laughs) step seven profit (laughs) yeah step seven barely have to edit those photos because they look so good and i just made money because i'm editing less like that alone has made me more money um but once you have a great system like that you follow it you're in business like you can walk out and in 30 40 50 seconds take an incredible off-camera lit shot feel amazing about your work, become more creative. Your clients are going to see that. They're going to see the quality of your work. They're going to buy into that. It's awesome. Where can people learn more about the system? Is this something I'm assuming that you have available? Yeah, so we have a a lot of resources. We have 1,100 blog posts for photographers on ZachAndJody.com. So you can go there and get a ton of information. Um, You can go there and see post after post after post about the stuff I'm talking about with off-camera lighting. There's a whole section on either posts or videos on lighting for you. And then, of course, for those people that want more or want it all in one place, we have an entire DVD on it. So you can pick up our off-camera lighting DVD if, you, if you're interested in that. Very cool, very cool. Awesome. Okay, so uh, one more time. Where can people, like, where's all the, the places that people can find you and Jody at? 
The best place to go is ZachAndJody.com. The, se- uh, the other place to go if you want to connect with us socially is uh, Facebook slash Zach and Jody. So you can come connect with us on there. We have about 38,000 photographer fans at the moment, and it's growing every day. Um, we post a lot of our up-to-date, most current stuff on the Facebook page. So if we're launching something or if we have a new thing out or if we have a new blog post or something for free or whatever it is, you can usually find it right on there. Very cool. Awesome, man. Zach, thank you so much for spending time with us. Uh, This has been a real treat. This has been an honor uh, just to have you. This is, yeah, this is really great, man. Thanks so much. I know you're a busy man. You got a new baby uh, here. Yeah, that's uh, right. (laughs) Another another earlier, so I know you got a lot going on. So thanks so much, man. I appreciate you guys having me. Definitely. We'll talk soon. Today's episode of the Six Figure Photography Podcast is supported by Fundy Designer. Fundy is one of the most important tools for our business. We are able to design a 50-page album in 10 minutes with its patented drop zone technology and then proof and sell all inside of the same system. Find out more at fundydesigner.com and by the Photo Booth Supply Company. Having a photo booth is one of the best options to consider when wanting to maximize profits and diversify your income. The Photo Booth Supply Company is hands down the best system available to photographers. It is simple to use, fully customizable, compact, and beautifully designed. Head on over to photoboothsupplyco.com for more information. You guys, what I want to go back and just hone in on is just don't settle for good enough. Don't make excuses for for why you don't use off-camera lighting. I don't want to hear that it's not your style, okay? Understanding your lighting will not only make you a better photographer, but a more confident photographer, a more confident business owner. And and this this confidence, it, it bleeds so much into your self-worth, and in turn, into into your price point. We at Style & Story Creative have a huge value for off-camera flash. We don't use it all the time. We're huge proponents of natural light, but I want to encourage you guys, take a look at StyleStoryCreative.com. Find us on Facebook at backslash StyleStoryCreative. Give us a like and follow along with the work that we create alongside you guys. Thank you so much for listening. Again, six-figure photography is nothing without you guys, and I'm just so excited to to be able to continue to give back to you guys. Uh, So just thanks for listening, and uh, we've got a lot more in store this year.